Welcome to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William, featuring award-winning financial advisor and former host of the Sunday Money Show, News Talk 1010, Paul Baraka and his associate advisor, William Baraka. Creating and keeping wealth does not need to be complicated. Paul and William will cut through confusing and contradictory financial advice to give you the real facts to help you invest better and enjoy a worry-free retirement. The views and opinions expressed in this video may not necessarily reflect those of IPC Securities Corporation. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Welcome to those of you watching us on YouTube or listening to us on one of the streaming services. This is episode 39 of Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William. My name is Paul Barecka and I'm with my colleague and associate advisor, William Barecka. And we're here to talk about everyone's favorite topic, and that is taxes, of course. What else would it be? Very special guest today. We are pleased to have with us CPA Mario Sagro. Um, here is, as I say, a CPA, 30 years in the business, a practice focused on owner-managed business and personal tax with a focus on financial statement, preparation, tax, and estate planning. So we've got a lot of topics. Now, we went through this. We've got 19 topics. And I'm going to be honest, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get through all of them, but we'll do our best. 19 topics tax-saving tips, many of which you'll be able to use to save taxes in this year, 2023. So, and we're going to be going through items that are useful for both employees and business owners. So, hello, William and Mario. Best topic in the world, taxes to talk about. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks, Mario. Mario would agree with that. Best topic in the world, taxes. What else (laughs) do you want to talk about on a Saturday night dinner? The interesting thing, the Fraser Institute tells us that for the average taxpayer, the average taxpayer, and I'm guessing the majority of our listeners will be uh, earning higher than that, 45% of all income goes in some form of tax, income tax, uh, liquor tax, gas tax, uh, real estate tax, whatever. And that is more than food shelter and clothing combined. Yet my sense, you know, I've been doing this for 32 years, is that a lot of people, they don't spend enough time on this. You know, if you could, if I could talk to someone about a tax strategy that would save them two, 300 bucks, they'll go, yeah, it's nice. Maybe they do it, maybe they don't. But if you were buying a big screen TV and you could save $300 you drive across town and you get stuck in traffic on the 401 to save that 300 bucks. It's kind of interesting how people look at that. And, oh, here, by the way, before we start, there are countries where you don't have to pay any personal income tax. So all you have to do if you want to move to the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Oman, Kuwait, you get that the drift here. You can move to one of these. Oh, yeah, Bermuda and Bahamas on there too. That's not too bad. So there are a few places you pay no tax, but not in Canada. And Mary, one of the things that I find is there's still confusion about the difference between marginal and average tax. And I did a short calculation for someone earning uh, 150 grand a year. And forget about RSP deductions and so forth. You have a gross income of $150,000 a year. Your marginal tax bracket is 43.41%, pretty high. 
But that's not the average tax you're going to pay. And a quick rough calculation I did this morning said that you're going to pay an average of 29%. But of course, the most important one is what? The most important one is marginal tax. Because that's what we'll save. If we're able to create, say, $5,000 of deduction, we're going to save 43%, not 29%. So that is the most important number. And the other thing before we get started is the difference between what I call tax planning and tax preparation. I mean, a lot of people go to have their tax returns done. They go to a service. You know, we all know them. I'm not going to name them. And that's great. It's a good service. But generally, those do not do tax planning. And, and tax preparation is really, it's really putting history on paper. And that's great. But tax planning looks forward. And that's what the wealthy do. Tax planning, more like what Mario does, is say, okay, what can we do today? What strategies can we put in place today? that maybe will save us money now, but they're going to save us taxes in five years or 20 years or in our state. So again, difference between tax planning and tax preparation. So that being said, let's get going here. Uh, the first thing we want to talk about is something simple, Mary, all right? Reducing source deductions. Tell us about that. So for the employees, you don't have much employees. of a choice, <laughs> not much of a choice. Uh, what you want to try to do as best you can is if you are going to make RSP contributions, you do them. You want to do is let your employer know and you will file a form with CRA and that you can have your tax reduced as you go along, as opposed to waiting for April 30th to get a big refund. From my perspective, it sounds nice when people get a refund and it's that uh, Christmas morning feeling. However, you are giving the government an interest-free loan during the year. So if you can get it reduced and you know you're a regular contributor to RSPs, that would be a wonderful way of, uh, of doing that. Beautiful. Reducing source deductions. Thanks for a lot of, this has come uh, a lot of play in the last few years since people are working more from home, uh, home offices, claiming home office expenses if you're working from home, Mario. Tell us about that. Sure. So Revenue Canada has, uh, in the last couple of years, with whole COVID, has provided people with um, a deduction from working from home. It's a rather, there's two ways of doing it, a detailed calculation if you work more than uh, the entire year, or the simple calculation, basically say it's $2 a day for working at home. Not a lot of money, but there's two ways you can go through the calculation, and depending on everybody's circum anybody's circumstances, they can review which is best for them. You have two ways to do it and whatever works best for you, it's um, is the way to go. Obviously the okay. $2 a day calculation is rather straightforward. You don't have to keep any paperwork or try to keep any expenses. The detailed calculation, you're required to do more work. It's more of a refund or more of a savings, but uh, it required more work, keeping more detailed records. So next item on our list of tax saving tips for this year, year end, we're calling it year end tax saving is you know, if you could defer income till next year, well, all of a sudden you've deferred paying tax on that for a full year. That's not too shabby. What, what, give us some examples of that, Mario. So it, typically, uh, a lot of times, uh, employees will have bonuses or companies will bonus money out. If you can defer it for the following year, if you know your circumstances are changed, lower tax brackets, uh, maybe an opportunity to create some more RSP room, many, many circumstances that you could have to look at to determine if it makes sense for you to push that income forward. And uh, again, it's a, it's a 
you have to plan, as you said at the beginning of your introduction, to see what your income is going to be like. You have to do some yeah. homework, yeah. and 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 that will help you decide what what's important, what's not to, not important, right? Okay. So we want to do those things. If you're a senior turning 71, the one that you may want to consider is making that RSP contribution the year you turn 71, right in December, because you are not allowed to make contributions afterwards to your own plan. So right, because you have to convert to a RIF account then. Right. So if you do it, you have a penalty for one month, but then you'll have a deduction in the subsequent year because you're still creating room. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that you can have that RSP deduction when you're age 72 by contributing on December of the previous year. So, right. so those are you know little tiny things. And, and and since it is baseball season, I'd like to use the analogy, not everything, not everything is a home run. There's lots of singles and doubles that you have to try to do. And you look at every angle that you can. Yeah, they all add up. That's they cool. all add up. Absolutely. Maybe next we should switch to something. Paul, you and I do a lot for, for our clients or whenever yeah. the opportunities present themselves, which is called tax loss harvesting. Uh, Mario, maybe you could explain for our listeners what that is. For sure. So what you want to try to do is look at your stock portfolio, obviously the non-registered portfolio. Yeah. And you want to examine that to see if there's any losses and if you've had capital gains during the year, you could use those to bring the income to zero or close to zero or reduce it. That will save you some money at tax time. If you're in a loss position overall, because the market's been a, not so favorable this year so far, uh, and especially in the last month, you might be able to carry back three years of capital losses to years where you had capital gains. So many times I can go back, I'll look what people have done on their tax returns had capital gains. We recover that tax for those periods. If you, you can also create a capital loss today. And if you don't need it now or you can't carry it back, of course, you can carry that forward indefinitely for any future capital gains. Whether, by the way, it doesn't have to be for stock portfolio. It could be for real estate. You, you earned or lost money in real estate. It's all a capital gain as far as the government's concerned, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, and the great thing is, too, you, for tax loss selling, you don't have to get out of the market to do it. You can harvest that tax loss and then buy a similar investment. So, for example, if you own an, an S&P 500 index, just to use an example, you can just sell that, create the loss, and then buy the same index, essentially, from a different company, a different uh, solution provider. Right. You, so you you're still up, in the market if it goes up, but you create that that tax loss for tax uh, tax savings. You, you hit it right on the head, Will. You have to be very careful with the, uh, you can't repurchase the same stock within yeah. 30 days or special rules kick in and they deny that loss. So you're right. You have to kind of find an alternative if that's what you want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Now this sometimes when you have portfolios, this is done automatically. We have some portfolios we help with our clients and this is done automatically by the money manager. It's all done or not where it needs to be done manually. For example, William and I will once or twice a year if there's an opportunity, we're going to call the clients. Let's do this. Let's do some tax loss harvesting. Another definition of this is tax loss selling. The exact same thing. Moving on to the next item. Hey, this is something, Will, our, our clients, we've heard before. Oh, let's just transfer some money from the RSP to the TFSA. Uh, or, oh, I'm sorry, a cap, something from with a capital loss from a non-registered account to the TFSA or the RSP. But that doesn't work, does it, Mario? No, it doesn't because the losses are denied. 
So CRA doesn't let you do that. So you'll have However, to, you can, you, but, you, they, but they'll, with but if we got a capital gain, they're going to make sure that they take their, uh, their pound of flesh, right? Correct. So you want to make sure that you sell it and then transfer the cash if that's what you want to do, but you can't yeah. transfer the stock. Yeah. Moving on. This is number six, by the way, in our list, the two, this isn't a big item. We talked about this Mario before $2,000 pension income credit, you know, it can save some money and tell us just kind of how that works again. Sure. The government, once you start earning pension income and depending what kind it is, uh, it is from a pension plan or for a RIF or a LIF of some sort, there is a $2,000 credit per person. So if you have a spouse who's that certain age, you can actually take that to be $4,000. So depending on the income, right, you can right. save as much as $1,000 or some incremental amount in between because you receive a tax credit for it. So yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Like that's said, the key. That's where the tax planning comes in because you don't want to send yourself so much income from a RIF where the, the tax you pay and the income exceeds the pension credit. So again, that's where the tax planning comes in. It can be useful in, in certain circumstances. Right. But, but again, with the planning ideas, if you can uh, start taking some of that money out, maybe that's the money you use for the TFSA in a, you know, in a more of efficient manner than uh, uh -huh. taking it out, period. So that could be something you may want to do. Also make note, if you're age 60, if you have pension income from a defined pension plan, uh, it works. But if it's from RIF income, you have to be age 65. The government does not allow the credit until you're age 65. So you want to be aware of that in your retirement income planning. And, and that's a nice segue onto our next item, which is just streaming income tax efficiently during your retirement. You can have you know, you could have income from real estate, pension plans, RSPs, government benefits, a business income. And really, like we, we've done this a lot, some detailed deep planning on this. And maybe we could talk about one of the plans we did for, for one of our clients and the huge difference this could make, right? Remember we did that a little while ago? Well, we've done it for a number of clients, Paul, and it, it depends on their circumstances, but depending again on their circumstances, yeah. drawing income from, say they have a big non-registered account and they also have a big RSP. And we can do a comparison to say, here's the tax implications of drawing down the RSPs first versus drawing down uh, income from the non-registered assets. In some cases, it's more tax efficient to draw a mixture of both. In some, it makes sense to draw down most of the RSPs first. In some cases, it makes sense to draw down from the non-registered assets. But we've seen this in some of the plans we've done. Yeah. Where it can mean millions of dollars of difference in the estate, depending upon where you draw that retirement income from. Yeah, we did one plan and it made a $2 million after-tax difference in the estate. That's a lot of dough. So again, that's the key. Do that retirement income planning. By the way, to do that, you really need sophisticated software. You know, a lot of these stock softwares, they're not going to do any of that type of work for you. So again, very sophisticated software. <laughs> the stuff, the, the software we use uh, is not cheap for us to, us to get, but it's needed and it's worthwhile. Something to consider, Paul, and for yeah. people, if you're in circumstances like that, and I know a lot of people don't like to incorporate companies or are a little afraid of the whole idea, there are planning opportunities in using 
the non-registered portfolio if it's in an, in an individual's name or a couple, so to speak, and using a corporation has a lot of, to me, has a lot of benefits and a lot of merits to look at because you've got different planning scenarios. And in line of what you just said, it might change the equation somewhat because- now we, we, we talked about that, Mary. I just, just want to explain what we're referring so, so our listeners are clear. This sure. is where you're not a business owner, but you have a significant non-registered portfolio. You want to draw retirement income. Well, Mary is saying, maybe you should set up a corporation and put that money into that corporation. Mara, now you can take that over now, just so we're clear for the listeners on the scenario here we're talking about. Right. So if you if the corporation now owns the assets, they could be rolled in tax free, which is you yeah. know, something that could happen. So it's not there isn't any adverse consequences at the beginning in doing all this. But what does the, the the benefits are? Taxes within if you're already paying tax at a high rate, there's not going to be any more taxes in the corporation because there's yeah, going to yeah. be a fundable portion. It might be incrementally higher or lower, depending on what you're doing. So again, you have to look at it. Number two, if you do that, you've actually stripped down your income. So your investment income leaves your personal tax return. So now if you mount, you have a you know, like a blank slate to work with. So now you as a planner can say, okay, I've got Canada pension, old age security, now I might consider taking more money out of my RRSP because my tax bracket is lower. Maybe I don't exceed the $80,000 limit and, and have the old age security clawed back. So there are circumstances you want to consider this, uh, potentially with probate. You might be able to avoid probate because now it's a corporation and you can have a secondary will that could protect that asset. So yeah. The, the, the potential is there to save a lot of money. And maybe the idea is if this money is meant for the next generation, it, there's a, a means of passing that on in a more tax efficient way, potentially. Yeah. So of course, registered money is is likely going to be taxed at 55% in the estate, whereas money in the corporation is going to be taxed at a much lower rate going into the estate. Yeah. So the very interesting thing that not people have given too much consideration to lately, rates have gone up. So it's going to be reasonable to assume that returns, even on fixed income, five or 6%, people's portfolios may explode over the next few years, which is a good thing, obviously, but there's going to be tax consequences to those portfolios people may not realize, right? When interest rates were a year ago or half a percent in the GIC or, you know, something really minuscule, but now the rate of return could be six, 7% with dividend paying securities or some of the bonds that are out there right now. So it's going to, I think planning is going to be more important going forward to see how this is going to affect everyone's individual circumstances because the, the plans may change. Well, that's it. That's, that's key to review and update your plans on a regular basis. Going on to the next topic, just the simple stuff. Now we're talking about, Hey, top up your TFSA. Uh, the RSP, RESPs, and of course, consider the new uh, first home buyer's plan, which is an absolutely incredible first home tax planning plan. First home savings plan. Right. And uh, make sure you look at those. The first home savings plan, to me, that's that's the best thing since sliced bread. Full tax deduction going in, tax-free money going out. That's like tax heaven, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So, but, you want, but you want to make sure you do your contribution this year, right? Because it's a maximum of eight per year. Yeah. So yes. We are getting close to year end time. So 
that's not one I would put off. Great point, Mario. It's not like a TFSA or an RSP where you can catch up on unused contribution room in future years. Uh, first home savings plan uh, works a little differently. Correct. And we've come across that with our ESPs, of course, there's a maximum with the RESP annually also, where people miss it and all of a sudden, well, geez, I want to put a big chunk of cash in. This is, well, you're only, you know, you can only put in certain amounts to get that 20% yeah. extra government uh, benefit. And the, the great thing about the first home savings uh, account as well is you, even if you never plan on buying a home, um, you're still, if you, if you don't use it after 15 years to buy a home, you can transfer it into your RSP. Um, and that works even if you don't have the RSP contribution room. So it's kind of a sneaky way where if you're, if, if you're maxed out of your RSP, you can actually kind of create more RSP contribution room, um, by contributing to the, the first home savings account. Yeah, that's massive. I'm surprised they'd allow that, but Hey, another good reason to use that first home buyer's plan. Moving on to the next segment, we're talking about this is something interesting, transferring capital losses to your spouse. So let's set up the scenario here. You may have a capital loss. Let's say you and your spouse are in similar tax brackets. That's kind of important. You have a capital loss, but you don't have any capital gains to apply it toward. Now, you might be able to use it in the future, but you never know. Your spouse has a capital gain from a portfolio, real estate. Again, it doesn't matter. Well, you can transfer your losses to your spouse. It's a little bit of a, a, it's not shenanigans, it's completely liquid or completely legal. Mary, do you want to just go quickly how that works? Sure. So the government has one section of the Income Tax Act. The section's not important. But basically what it says, transactions between spouses happen at cost. So if you move assets between spouses, it doesn't change your cost base. So as long as you take the consideration back, your spouse now ends up with that asset. So if the asset goes down in value, it doesn't mean that the loss gets triggered. You can opt out if you wish, but you have an opportunity to transfer it at cost. So all transactions with spouses are done that way. <laughs> yeah. A couple of other uh, year-end tax ideas here. Again, I want to be cognizant of time. Things like deferring, in we talked about deferring income to uh, 2024. You can also defer capital gains if you're planning on doing a uh, selling something uh, and there's a gain and we'll just defer till 2024, right? And hey, deferring taxes for a year, that's, that's is always a good thing. Uh, and I tell you why it's actually a good thing too, for two reasons. And people forget this and it's a small, not a big point, but not a small point. Yeah. If, if you start, if you owe the government more than the $3,000, you're required to make installments. So if you are triggering gains, then the government is asking you for more money in 2024, as an example, because it's thinking that you're going to do the same amount. So if you make some gains next year and you trigger the gain this year, you're actually prepaying the tax. So, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's kind of funny in the sense that when you look at it, it's like, well, what are we doing here? So these installments are getting to be a little bit part of the equation because of the cash layout has to be there. If it's not, you can be really penalized quite severely with interest and uh, penalties for not making uh, installments on a regular basis. So now, Mario, I, I just got a question here. So, someone sells a piece of real estate, earns a capital gain, it's on their tax form. Government's going to ask them for 
uh, the following year, they're going to ask for installment payments, aren't they? They are. They are. Yeah. Even though you don't, you're, you're not planning to sell any real estate or you don't have any more the following right, year. Right, but, but see, the, the little secret the government doesn't tell you is they use that tax base for two years. So if you sell something the subsequent year and didn't make the installments thinking, oh, the previous year I didn't have taxes, the formula is actually kind of, um, I won't call it sneaky, but you, you have to be really careful with it. So it, with interest rates going up, the installment calculation or penalty or an interest can be more than people anticipate. There's a um, many times you get surprised on tax returns when you get your assessment saying, yeah, but I didn't owe any taxes last year. No, we had, we used two year to go base because you were required to make it based on this particular formula. Not as straightforward as everybody thinks it is. So you have to look at it too. That's why it's really important if you're doing mm -hmm. your taxes on your own or you're using someone, just make sure you always pepper that person with questions because the, you, they need to, to understand that. So, you know, as a, as a tax preparer, I'm always busy. I always tell people, just send me that email. I will get to it. We'll have to look at it, but really important. Really, really, really important. Let's talk a little bit about uh, charitable donations. I don't think people really clearly understand how this works. And really there's, there's uh, for the first $200, there's one amount you get back over that. There's another amount, but then if you if you want to donate to a political party, will you get even more back? Uh, once, could you just go into that, please, Mario? Can you put these spouses, can you put these together? Can you group them together, I believe? Yes, you can. So usually one person claims the charitable donation, which, whichever is most advantageous. It's a non-refundable credit. So as you said, there's a, there's a basis of the calculation, and it could be working, worth as much as 26%, and, and then a top end of 46% in tax savings. Political donations okay. are... are stepped as well, and I don't know the numbers per se, but there's a cap on how much you can donate as an individual as well, right? But you can get as much back as 75%. So yeah, I yeah. think that's Parliament trying to make sure that political parties get funded, regardless of where you stand in the political spectrum, and it's just keep the democracy and the political parties. Um, keep democracy in play, solvent. yes. Solvent. Solvent. <laughs> So. Why don't we go into tax-efficient ways, Mario, to extract funds from our business? Do you want to talk just very quickly about that and, and tax-free dividends, and then we're going to wrap things up? Sure. You know, I do like, uh, you know, dividends as opposed to salary or some considerations that business owners may want to look at again. Capital. So if there's a portfolio, the tax-free portion of your capital gains will be paid out to you tax-free with a special resolution called the capital dividend resolution, which a lot of people like to use. So it's not like you make capital gains in your corporation and it's stuck. There are means of getting some of that money out. And then many taxes that you pay in the corporation that are passive, i.e. interest, dividends, capital gains, they trigger an event called refundable tax on hand, which means that you do pay the tax, but if down the road, you know you're gonna be in a lower tax bracket or you're passing the corporation on to someone, you can recover those taxes. So it's not lost tax money, it's just you're parking it. And, and what we can we do to get it back later at a lower rate than you otherwise would do now if you're in the high bracket? Now that, that, that's going into passive income. We could probably spend a half an hour on that. And Mary, sure. I think we're going to have to invite you back another time to go into this. Sure. And uh, so again, listeners, um, 
we have today been talking about tax planning tips for year end. Many of these can be used this year to save you money. We talked about understanding the difference between marginal and average rate. We talked about source deductions. We talked about claiming your home office, deferring income till next year, tax loss harvesting, uh, transferring assets from a, a cash account to an RSP or a TFSA, tax efficient retirement income streaming, transferring capital losses to a spouse if that's more apl applicable, uh, the first home buyer's plan, I know I'm saying it wrong, deferring capital gains until next year, uh, charitable donations, I'm probably missing a few items here, setting up a corporation for a non-business owner to stream out income, and Mira just finished off with uh, you know, tax-efficient ways, ways to draw money out of your corporation. So hey, everyone, I hope you found this uh, of value. Um, next, uh, the next uh, retirement straight talk with Paul and William, which is number 40. Wow, time flies when you're having fun. We're going to have a talk about the difference between using a robo-advisor and a full-service advisor like what we are. And by the way, both have their place. As usual, there's never black and white. So we're going to talk about in a very honest and upfront way, what's the advantage and disadvantage of each? And that will hopefully help people decide, you know, which one is better for me. So that's going to be in the next podcast. I hope you join us then. Will? Yeah, thanks a lot, everyone. If you liked our podcast, you can like, share, and uh, and subscribe to the show. For even more valuable insights from Paul and myself, you can visit both of our blogs on westendwealth.com or connect with us on our social pages. And you can find the links to all those in the, the show notes below. Mario, if people want to connect with you, uh, what's the best way for them to do that? Thank you for having me. They can call me directly at 416-848-3855, or they can visit our website, www.vsllp.ca. Awesome. Thanks. You want to repeat, repeat that? Just repeat that phone number one more time. Sure. 416-848-3855. Awesome. Thanks for joining us, Mario. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Uh, all pleasure as always. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll, we'll see you in a, in a couple of weeks. See you in a couple of weeks, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by West End Wealth Planning, an award-winning wealth planning practice catering to small and medium-sized business owners and to those looking to create a worry-free retirement for themselves and their families. To learn more, go to westendwealth.com. Don't forget to rate this podcast and subscribe to Retirement Straight Talk with Paul and William by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.